You know, it's just good practice to start off the day with a good yawn. Is it? I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it helps, I think. I'm sure I'll find a study about that. Also, sometimes the Bible can be kind of tired. Yeah. Well, it's also first thing in the morning, and we're talking about Bible shit. So, yeah. today, today though, oh, boy, do we have a story for you guys. We're starting Isaiah today. Yes, we make it fun. Yeah, well, I'm going to make it fun. Oh, oh, I'm the borehole? No, the Bible's the borehole. Oh, okay. I wasn't speaking about you, you or your performance. I'm talking about. Because I'm a delight. You are. You you bring a lot. A constant fucking delight. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh Okay. So today on the Bible. (laughs) So basically, Isaiah is one of the prophets prophets with the biggest dicks in Judea. Okay. (laughs) In Judah. I mean, he's just, he's got a big whale dick on himself um isaiah then he goes and he gives uh visions about how much people in judah have fucked up because boy have they fucked up he gets visions gets visions gives visions he relays visions uh, you know it's uh, you know apples and oranges <laughs> exactly isaiah really lays on the shit talk and tells them that their dick sucking skills are just horrible and they need to get better at it or else God is going to fuck them up. Well, you have to practice. Yeah. And Cosmopolitan magazine helps. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then he goes on about this daughter of Zion who left them because of the crazy, because they're crazy as shit motherfuckers. And it's pretty much it. The daughter of Zion packs her shit up and leaves because they're crazy motherfuckers. And then he goes into a vineyard parable, which is different from the New Testament vineyard parable because of the current situation, but is still basically the same. Uh, God is a crazy motherfucker in this. He blames grapes for not, for growing incorrectly in his garden that apparently he has, uh, you know, has, um, built up perfectly so that they will grow fine, but they don't grow fine. They grow fucked up. And apparently that is the grapes fault and it is not his fault. (laughs) You seem very upset. God then says he's going to fuck the, gra- uh, the the vineyard up because he's too incompetent to grow grapes. That's a vineyard. Vin- vineyard? Mm. Vineyard? Vineyard. Vineyard? Mm. Whatever. He expects <laughs> the grapes to start growing correctly without any help from him because he's a crazy motherfucker. Isaiah then pops a squat and shits on the Israelite religion, (laughs) and he doesn't like the whole blood thing with the animals. He never said to do that, guys. God also hates that they are covered in blood, so he tells them to clean that shit up. Then uh, God says to stop the whole formal religion thing because he doesn't like that shit. He doesn't like manuals and stuff. He just wants you to suck his dick. You don't need to, like, stand on one toe while you do it. You just got to suck it. God then shits on them for being very shitty people. God calls for a purge of the impure Israelites in a genocidal fashion. 
And it almost seems like ethnic cleansing if it weren't for other things. God then points out how they're all sucking other gods' dicks out there, and he doesn't like that fact. God then shits on their pride uh, that they have in themselves while showing nothing but pride. God then shits on the leaders. God bitches about women being in control because we all know God's an incel. <laughs> God says that uh, Judah, uh, the, the Judean women, the women in Judea have become nothing but whores. And they dress like whores, they walk like whores, and they talk like whores. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like an incel speech. This is this has been demonetized for how long this has been going? Five five minutes or so. This yeah. has been demonetized for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Next, God is going to teabag their women and give them scalp herpes and basically make them feel disgusting. Because that's how much God loves women. God wants women to be abused into a submission until they tremble and shit themselves. Okay. <laughs> God, this is so God is also going to fuck up the land. God goes full boomer and complains about all the parties and shit they've been having. <laughs> and he also promises to kill all of them because they are partying. So, I mean, this is basically get off my lawn mentality. God then bitches about rationalizing or rationalizing the faith. Well, basically being a fucking nerd. Don't be a nerd in the sight of God. He doesn't like that shit. And then God says, no drunk motherfuckers. Kind of a side note. It's like a marginal thing. It's like, oh, also God says, don't get drunk. But, you know, it's not all that serious. The end. Oof. And that's the start of Isaiah. No, mm -mm. no, there's no. That's how that's how Isaiah starts. He comes in like a wrecking ball. He it, does come in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, yes, but uh, he's even naked and on a wrecking ball, swinging no. through the shot, and he's like, "Y'all gonna get fucked up." <laughs> What's up, heathens? How, how y'all doing? doing? So apparently. I got a bunch of things wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had pretty good talk during the intro there. <laughs> um, and uh, so apparently I, I got things wrong and now we're going to fix them. Yes. If you made it through, if you, <laughs> if you made it through that weird fetish fever dream that I put you through, thank you. Uh, we do this every Tuesday at 9 15 a.m. Please join us. This one was worse than normal. So next time it might be. Well, better. you know, I feel like that's Isaiah's fault. Is it? Yes. Okay. Are, are you ready to you ready to actually go through this? Yeah. Okay. I'm betting mine's going to be a lot better of a rendition, but, you know, that's just me. I'm just a better writer than God. Y yeah. Okay. I mean, depending on who you're writing for. I mean, people that like to read. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if I really want to read through a whole bunch of, like, I mean, Christians dick stuck don't while being shit on. I mean, Christians don't like to read the Bible in the first place. They I mean, like some to read. Do. They like to read verses. They do not like to read the Bible. Well, okay. So for a comprehensive read with through while critically examining what it says, that is generally not what Christians do. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. In my experience as a Christian, and with other Christians, 
it's all about reading specific Bible verses and not actually reading the Bible. For me, at least. That's just my experience. I'm not saying that's everybody's experience or all Christians. Most people don't read it from like front to back or how we're doing it. Most people don't do it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, are we ready? Yeah. Or or they make them read it in that KJV, like, fucked up English style mm-hmm. to where they can't understand what they're actually fucking reading. Yeah. That's what I tried. Couldn't understand a word of it. Didn't make it past Genesis, thou begat something. A lot of people do not make it past Genesis. And one of the, in fact, one of the things that a lot of people will tell you, Christian people even will tell you, is um, if you're going to read the Bible, do not start in Genesis. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that shit is hard to swallow. Like God's load. Let's go ahead and go on to the Bible. (laughs) Okay. So, so, as John said, which was sort of correct, but not really, Isaiah is one of the greatest evangelistic prophets ever known to the the Israelite people. Mm -hmm. Um, He has an active ministry where he prophecies uh, for, for, in Judah, for 40 years, right? Yep. So there have been other prophets, um, Joel, Hosea, Amos, Dave, Dave prophesied in Israel, but Isaiah is going to prophesy in Judah. And Judah has not had nearly as many problems as Israel has, but they do still have some problems and some similar problems, just not necessarily to the degree that Israel has. But to be fair, Israel is all of the uh, tribes save two. Right? Well, right. one and a half, right? Because a half of... Uh, I can't I can't remember. I just know Judah is one tribe, and then the rest of them of are ben. known. Yeah. Like, so Judah is a significantly smaller population. Uh, but they've had better kings, generally speaking. They have not near, gotten in nearly as much trouble. Okay. Well, I do believe it's Judah that eventually becomes the Jews, maybe. It kind of... Well, so we're going to get there eventually. Okay. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm really wanting them to turn into Jews. So, so Isaiah is going to talk to them about and, t- and tell the people of Judah what they're doing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna, he's going to tell them about God's judgment. He's going to tell them all about their sins and uh, what they can do to repent. He's going to talk to them a lot. So that's what we're going to start now. Are you ready? Oh, my butthole is puckered. Okay. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw during the reigns of Isaiah or Azariah, <clears throat> Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manager. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. I love this part because it's like all you other motherfuckers are brain dead. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all fucked up in the head. That's what he's telling them. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not clean, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. 
Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left, like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege. Now, the daughter of Zion is not a person. What? Daughter... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> the daughter of Zion is a metaphor for the Israeli people and their their the special relationship that they have with God. You mean the the Israelites or the Old Testament uses uh, figurative language? Yes. Wow. Imagine. I know. I mean, we've read through more than half of this motherfucker. I I, I know. <laughs> It was, I was being facetious about it. Uh, uh, just the, like the whole daughter of Zion thing. I hear this often with the whole, oh, what was it? The, like the Steven Anderson NIFB group. They're mm-hmm. pretty, they're pretty anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, a lot of them talk about Zion a lot. So that's pretty much my only experience with like the Old Testament and Zion. Yeah. The daughter of Zion specifically is, is the relationship that's referring to the relationship that the Israeli people have with God, that it's special, it's different. And so that's their relationship is the daughter of Zion. You mean like a prom date? It's special. It's different. <laughs> anyway. Let's hey, continue. if you guys haven't smashed the like button yet. Oh my God. You got that from prom. Anyways, go ahead. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Um, So now what we're going to go on to next, and the book breaks this up like this because of how it's organized, the Daily Bible. Um, We're going to go into the beginning of Isaiah chapter 5 and then right back to Isaiah chapter 1. But I'm going to take you through because these next, the rest of chapter one from here on um, refers to the parable I'm about to read to you. So that's why they pull the parable up. So you understand in in the writing, it's out of order. Yeah, I don't understand why, like in, in Isaiah, they would put shit out of order like that. Yeah, and they refer to it in chapter one, but it's not until chapter five. It just sounds a little fun. Like, this is what I mean. I would be able to write the Bible better than the Bible is written itself. It's just, it's po- it is poorly organized. To be fair, it is very poorly organized. And it makes it difficult to follow what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So, this is called the Parable of the Vineyard. Now, if you look up Parable of the Vineyard, you're going to find the Parable of the Vineyard Workers. You're going to find some stuff that's not necessarily what you're looking for. Because the Parable of the Vineyard is more commonly known in the new testament right it's in matthew mark and luke um different variations matthew has the most complete version of it but they also hearken back to isaiah here so i'm gonna go ahead and read you the parable of the vineyard that's in isaiah chapter five and then i'll let you know what's in the new testament yeah and i'm gonna also explain to you i'm gonna read it first and then i'm gonna explain to you what they mean okay I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. He then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. You know, none of this rhymes. This is a shitty fucking song. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you. So, so basically to start out, um, 
my loved one had a vineyard. My loved one is God. So this is God's vineyard. Okay. Mm-hmm. The vineyard is the Israeli people, right? right? It's his people, Israel. And this beginning section talks about how God put love and care into it. He dug it up and cleared it of stones so that the grapes had a better chance of growing, um, of growing healthily. Um, he planted it with the best vines. He built a watchtower. He built, he built protections for it and, um, cut out a wine press so that when the fruit was good, they could prosper. You know, they could reap the benefits of their good fruit, right? Right. Okay. So that's the beginning section. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. So essentially, God is saying through Isaiah, obviously, that the reason that the vineyard didn't bear good fruit is not his fault. He did everything right. He did everything right. What more could he have done for it than what he what he did for the Israel? Like what more could he have done for the Israeli people than what he did? He protected them. He loved them. He cared for them. He gave them everything they could possibly need. They fucked it up, mm-hmm. right? They made free will choices, supposedly, that ended up making the fruit bad. Um, so <laughs> it. Basically, it's saying that God can give you all the grace in the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good because you have God's grace. You have to also put in work yourself. Now, this seems kind of opposed to the whole idea of God's grace. And, you know, you you have you get God's grace and it's not through works, but it doesn't because it's not saying you get it through works. It's just saying you're given God's grace and your work is what you do with it. Right. Okay. Um, but what God says he's going to do is stop protecting and caring for the people of Israel so that they will feel pain and suffering. Right? They'll feel the pain. They'll, they are going to lose his... They're going to lose that special relationship, the because, daughter Zion. Yeah. You know why? Why? Because God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. So, he, he wants them to feel pain and repent. All right? He's trying to get them to realize what they had. And do right. Okay. So the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Okay. So that's the parable of the vineyard plus my commentary. You're welcome. Right. And so in the New Testament, of course, it harkens back to Isaiah because Isaiah is one of the um, most prophetic uh, books in the Old Testament. Uh, th- we're, we'll get into it later where he's actually talking about the Messiah that's to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically with uh, the parable of the vineyard in uh, the New Testament, uh, what you have is the same situation. God owns a vineyard. I don't know. He bought it with his gay friend. And <laughs> then, you know, he he – turns it over to these people to manage it for him, right? Which would be analogous to the Jews, 
or at this point in time, it would have been the Jews in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And he hands it over to them to take care of it. And of course, they want the vineyard for themselves. So when God sends his prophets to them or God sends people to it to, you know, check up on it and manage it and everything like that, uh, they end up sending them away. Like they throw their shit at them or something. And then God sends his only son to go and, you know, check up on it and, you know, uh, take ownership of it or some, something along those lines. Anyways, the, the, caretakers of the vineyard decide, hey, we're going to kill this guy and we're going to take the vineyard for ourselves. And so they kill the guy and they attempt to to take the vineyard for themselves. But of course, uh, this is an allusion to Jesus being killed to absolve the sins of the people, right? It's talking, it's, it's setting them up for Jesus to be killed, but it still has the Israelites or the Jews at this point as being really shitty people. They, they are the reason it got fucked up is what is what God's saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course God didn't do anything wrong. God is perfect. Cause God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Okay. So now we're going to hop back into Isaiah chapter one, uh, starting at verse 10. Um, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of, so of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, the trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. So, uh, I mean, I, I get that right here he has a stipulation on to not liking the slaughter of thousands of animals. Yeah. And that stipulation is, is that they're doing it, but it seems to be an empty gesture because they're not also sucking his dick. Well, <laughs> they're... Okay, so this is the portion where we talk about the real things. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. It so that he doesn't like it because they're not adhering, like they're not they're not adhering to the religion other than the mechanics of the religion. Like yes, the offerings and the sacrifices that they've been told to do, right? From mm -hmm. Moses, from the books of Moses, they're they if they're following all of these sacrifices, there's and and offerings and festivals and everything else, they've been told to do all of these things to please God, right? God supposedly told them to do all these things. But the problem is, is that it's kind of like, so he here's how I've heard it before. Um, you can't be a saint on Sunday or if you're a slut on Saturday, right? Well, so I don't know. I think you can. <laughs> so, so if, if you come to church and do all the things you're supposed to do, right, on, on those days, that's great. But it is completely meaningless if you're a slut on Saturday. 
So if you don't do the things that you're supposed to do the rest of the time, if you're, if you stop, you know, your hands are full of blood, wash and make yourselves clean. Basically, you're doing evil things. You're, you're not bringing justice to the oppressed. You're not rebuking the oppressors. You're not defending orphans. You're not taking care of the poor. You're not taking care of widows. You're not doing all these other things that you're supposed to be doing. So your incense that you burn mean nothing. Well, to be honest here, like, I don't recall an emphasis being put on those specific things. Like, because we've been through, what, what have we been going through? We've been going through Amos. We've been going through um, uh, Kings and Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the biggest thing that God has harped on is only worshiping him and not allowing other people in in the in the respective areas to worship other gods Mm -hmm. that seems to be the paramount concern of god not that it's the only concern sure in this section of the bible yes i would agree with you but in the books of moses these other things are clearly laid out we read them i mean it's been a while (laughs) we've been doing this for a while it's been a while but in the books of moses they clearly lay out how you're how like how you're supposed to leave the when you harvest your fields, how you're supposed to leave the scraps of the harvest on the field for the poor to come and take and how you're supposed to, when there's a widow, the things you're supposed to do to take care of them and make sure that they, you know, don't fall on bad times and how you're supposed to take care of the poor people and, you know, give them extras. And so there are definitely these things are called out, not in this section of the Bible that we've been dealing with for quite some time i can't remember exactly when we moved into Uh, this but it's it's been been, months it's been it it might be more than a year i mean we've been in this section of the bible for a long time but in the books of moses those things are certainly called out so when we moved into judges is when we moved out of that uh that section i believe right yeah yeah so anyway anything else before we go on and talk about their sins because we're about to we're about to go into their sins. I mean, that was one of their sins. Religious formalism. It seems like God doesn't like organized religion. Well, it, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't say that he doesn't like organized religion. He definitely loves organized religion. Otherwise, he wouldn't have such specific ways in which to dress up like the Ark of the Covenant or the ways to do all those things. Fair. He doesn't like it when they don't live the rest of their lives in well, accordance with his... Teachings. Right. He doesn't like the how mechanical it's become and how... Hypocritical. Hypocritical. Yeah. I guess. Even though he kind of is a hypocrite himself. Agreed. This God figure. Agreed. So, I don't know. It seems to be like a special pleading thing on his end. Well, there are definitely contradictory rules, but there are... There are- absolutely things laid out to protect the most vulnerable in society oh yeah i'm not disagreeing about that. yeah and and they're not doing those things and they are really into their wealth because they have prospered but the problem is is what they're doing with this prosperity and how they're living the rest of their lives aside from all of the sacrifices and all of the festivals and all of the things now granted they have been told to do these things so it's, it is kind of weird how he says, I have no pleasure in this, because he obviously does take pleasure in it, but not if not if you're only doing it on Christmas and Easter. This, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this all this also seems to play into the whole, this is hurting me more than it hurts you kind of mentality of a, a abusive relationship. Like, I don't take pleasure in this. Like, I don't like beating you. 
you're making me beat you kind of thing. Um, I don't see that here just because he's saying I have no pleasure in the blood of bull. He's saying he's saying that he doesn't take pleasure oh. in all of their sacrifices. Oh, okay. Sorry. I totally misunderstood the pleasure part of that. Never mind. Yeah, he, so. he was yeah, he was talking about how he doesn't take pleasure in their in the sacrifices that they're you know, they're giving he giving him all these offerings, but he doesn't take pleasure in them because the rest of the time they're hot garbage. <laughs> is basically what he's saying. Well, I, I think that do you think that this could also play into the apologetics of like people thinking that, for instance, the coronavirus is, you know, wreaking havoc on us because uh, they're not adhering to like Christian dogma. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the Old Testament really plays into that a lot. Um, the whole we have hurricanes because gays can get married kind of like, like our society is ac- according to the more evangelical Christians, our society, we have a complete breakdown of what it is to be a good and righteous society from their perspective. And so these calamities come upon us through our own fault to punish us for our wrongdoings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly this plays in to that whole mindset. Okay. Let's go on to the sin of injustice. Okay. Injustice in their society. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She was once full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the mighty one of Israel declares, Ah, I will get relief from my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove your impurities. I will restore your judges as in days of old, your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. So basically, he's just saying you're not you're not following the rules that I set forward. Um, you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the East. They practice divination like the Philistines and clasp hands with the pagans. Their land is full of silver and gold. And then there is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their fingers have made. So man will be brought low and mankind humbled. Do not forgive them. So this is calling back to what you were talking about, how God has a serious problem with them practicing other religions in their lands. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, and the to- all the towering mountains, and all the high hills, for every lofty tower, and every fortified wall, for every trading ship, and every stately vessel— The arrogance of man will be brought low and the pride of men humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. So God seriously has a problem with pride, which we know is one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah, but I mean, he kind of, he's pretty prideful himself. But I guess, I guess only God can be prideful. Yes. 
Um, so, and, and it talks again about the idols here, but um, that's their sin of pride. And now we're going to go into the sin of the leaders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youths youths oppress my people. Women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court and rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor? Declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Uh, Seems like God doesn't like women ruling over people, huh? (laughs) No. I think that this is more uh, like the the whole misogyny that's inherent to the Old Testament in general, I think is really a response to other, what they would consider pagan religions in Mm -hmm. the surrounding areas, exalting women. Because like prior to the Israelite religion, you had religions like... um, uh, like the Assyrian uh, uh, religion where uh, they had Anana as a god. Mm-hmm. Like they had like women gods were a common thing in the ancient world. Sure. And so I think that that's kind of a response to that. So kind of makes sense that if they're wanting to distinguish themselves from the surrounding religions, then they would be very misogynistic in well, this respect. And, and women could be prophets and women could, you know, hold a place in society and other cultures, but not yeah. in theirs. Well, it, it, they, you know, there was that one judge that was a woman, but she was only a judge because she also had a man to mm-hmm. uh, alongside her. Yeah. So, and we're actually going to get into the sins of the wom- of of the women mm-hmm. right now. Oh fuck! Are you ready? Yeah. The Lord says, "The women of Zion are haughty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, tripping along with mincing steps, with ornaments jingling on their ankles." Therefore, the Lord will bring sores on the heads of the women of Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald. See, that's what happens when God teabags you, though. <laughs> I mean, we learned that with that last guy. I mean, he got teabagged on his on his head, and he got leprosy. Yeah, wait till you. We're gonna read some more, but this seems like excessive punishment on the women. Yeah, like the women are really exceptionally punished here. So, well, in the prophecy. In that day, the Lord will snatch away their finery, the the bangles and headbands and crescent necklaces, the earrings and bracelets and veils, the headdresses and ankle chains and sashes, the perfume bottles and charms, the signet rings and nose rings, the fine robes and the capes and cloaks, the purses and mirrors and the linen garments and tiaras and shawls. Instead of fragrance, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of a well-dressed hair, baldness. Instead of fine clothing, sackcloth. Instead of beauty, branding. Your men will fall by the sword, your warriors in battle. The gates of Zion will lament and mourn. Destitute, she will sit on the ground. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, 
We will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. Is that polygamy there? Like, seven women's gonna want this one guy mm-hmm. and provide for him. Like You women who are so complacent, rise up and listen to me. Your daughters who feel secure, hear what I have to say. In little more than a year, you who feel secure will tremble. Your grape harvest will fail, and the harvest of fruit will not come. Tremble, you complacent women. Shudder, your daughters who feel secure. Strip off your clothes. Put sackcloth around your waists. So, like, he's real pissed off at the women here. Yeah, I mean, did he just tell the women to strip naked and put on a potato bag or something? Yep, pretty much. <clears throat> okay, so now we're going to stop talking about women necessarily, and we're going to talk about greed. Oh. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. The Lord Almighty has declared in my hearing, surely the great houses will become desolate. The fine mansions left without occupants. A 10 acre vineyard will produce only a bath of wine, a homer of seed, only an ephah of grain. Now, a bath of wine is six gallons or 22 liters. This seems like very fucked up, like, measurements. Like, why do they have to... I just... uh, It's like, what should we name this? Just call it a bath. (laughs) It's six gallons or 22 liters. A homer is six bushels, and that's six bushels of seed. And an ephah of grain is about three quarters of a bushel. Okay. Okay. Um, so basically, y'all motherfuckers have too much shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to knock you down for greed. So fuck you. Yeah. Because greed is also a seven deadly sin, right? Probably, Isn't greed one of them? I think so. Yeah. Um, sin of revelry. Woe to those. This is This is the boomer god. Oh, boomer. Yeah. Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they have an, till they are inflamed with wine. They have harps and lyres at their banquets, tambourines and flutes and wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile for lack of understanding. Their men of rank will die of hunger and their masses will be parched with thirst. Therefore, the grave enlarges its appetite and opens its mouth without limit. Into it will descend their nobles and masses with all of their brawlers and revelers. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. So a magical pit is going to open up and swallow a bunch of Israelites. Or, well, I guess <laughs> Judeans at this point. Would they be, con- is that how you would say that as Judeans if they're in Judah? Uh, yeah. Judeans? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, this is another touch on arrogance. All right. So man will be brought low and mankind humbled. The eyes of the arrogant humbled. But the Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice and the holy God will show himself holy by his righteousness. Then sheep will graze as in their own pasture. Lambs will feed among the ruins of the rich. Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry, let him hasten his work so we may see it. Let it approach. Let the plan of the Holy One of Israel come so we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own right. Yeah, basically saying, fuck you, nerds. I don't like you. <laughs> All right, you goddamn nerds. 
Uh, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now we're shitting on bartenders and, I guess, power drinkers at bars? Power drinkers and bartenders. As sinful. Sinful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next time you take that shot, just think about that. God don't like it, okay? <laughs> uh, woe to those who acquit who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. Ooh. Yep. And that's actually all we're going to do today. Um, we're going to finish chapter five next week, and it's going to talk about how pissed off God is, right? Uh, th- that's been the general theme for the past, like, mm-hmm. two months. Yes, and it's going to talk about how God's destructive forces will be summoned. All right. Then we're going to go into the punishments for those who won't repent. Right. Um, and there's, there, there's definitely going to be a call for people to have what they're going to call reason, but for people to come to their senses, essentially come to your senses and just do what you're supposed to do because elsewise you're going to get fucked up. Oh, definitely. And God is going to be the one to do the fucking. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about a spiritual restoration in the last of days. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then actually next week, we're going to get into a little bit more of a, uh, two Kings chapter 15. Um, and there's going to be some crazy shit going on in Israel, right? With the oh, Kings. Wow. So, so we're moving out of Isaiah for a little bit. Uh, yes. Next, we're going to have some Isaiah next week, but then we're also going to, we're going to get, we're going to go into a short portion of at this time when Isaiah is, is, prophesying in judah and what's going on over there this is going to be a section of what's going on in israel um and a little bit of what's going on in judah because right now Isaiah is still the king or azariah or Isaiah is still the king mm-hmm. um but we're continuing on in time as isaiah is telling these prophecies and so we have to basically get everybody caught up about what's going on in israel and judah in regards to the rulership and everything else Okay. Okay. So we're going to get a little caught up and then we're going to go jump back into Isaiah and he's, his mission is told in a vision. And so we're going to talk about Isaiah's vision, um, a little bit. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, guys, if you want to hear how God's going to fuck him up next week, then you best tune in Tuesdays at 9 15 AM central right here on Godless Engineer. <laughs> Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye.